0: Good morning. Um, When I was young, I used to hang out at the high school auditorium with my father because he was a musician. And he would rehearse his um, jazz band, symphonic band up on stage. And my brother and sister and I would get to hang out in the front rows and play and make up all kinds of games. And it was a blast. And this one time, I was five years old, And I was there alone. My brother and sister didn't come this time, so I had the whole auditorium to myself, and I I loved it. Um, And there was one spot in the back that I really, really wanted to get to. It's like the equivalent of that little camera room up there. But in the back was a light booth, and they had a spotlight back there with tons of electronics uh, back there. And for somebody who likes electronics, that was like heaven for me. So that day, Dad was there rehearsing jazz band. Mom wasn't there. And I would just be playing in the aisles, but each time I'd be trying to get one step further, get to the back. And before you know it, I was, you know, three-quarters of the way back there. But I started getting nervous because, one, I never got back there. Mom would usually call me back. And, two, it was dark. So I was scared as a five-year-old. But I couldn't reach out to my dad because I'd blow my cover, and he'd tell me to come on back. Um, So I just decided to keep on going. And I got to the back, got up in that booth. And I swear it was like Walnut Creek Amphitheater to me as a young kid, but it was about this size. And I would look back, and I, you know, I saw all the rows that I had gone through to get there. And I was just, I jumped up on the captain's seat and was looking around. And so I jumped down, and I found my first little toy that I wanted to play with. And I think I just put it in my pocket. Um, so it's really small. You guys can't see it, but it is a paperclip. And you're like, wait a minute, you just told me about all these electronics and things that you wanted to play with, and you chose a paper clip. Well, that wasn't my only toy that I decided to play with that morning. Um, My next decision was something that took a little innocent situation to something that was stupid and something that was dangerous, because my next little toy was this, which is an outlet. (laughs) And um, Except it wasn't disconnected like this. It was actually in the wall. And I don't know what I was thinking, but I went over and I plugged it in and stuck it in. And I thought, you know, maybe as a kid I was going to, like, start up the building or something like that. But little did I know that it actually would burn me and leave me with a scar. <laughs> Somebody in the first service said, is that what happened to your hair? <laughs> I said, funny. Funny. Um, But I say that because I made a choice that day. And we're going to talk about choices today. And we're in a series called Ignite. And we've been looking at people in the Bible and how they, with their different angles of their faith, how they ignited that. We looked at conviction. Last week we looked at confidence. And this week we're going to look at choices. I was reminiscing with my mom and dad about this earlier in the week. And my dad said, oh, son, you didn't know better. You had to learn. You had to experience it. And I know that's the case sometimes, but this, that day, I remember it distinctly. That's why I chose to use it as an illustration. I remember saying, I want to go back there so bad I don't know what, what happens. I'm going to go back there. And so I made a poor choice that day. Um, and life is a series of choices. And some of them are simple. Some of them are complex and have long-lasting effects on us. And we all face decisions. Are you a teenager that's facing a decision and you just want to be approved and you'll do anything to get that? I don't know. We have to have a plan for making our decisions. We also have to have a plan for when we make an unwise decision, how we can escape that as well, because we all make them. And we're going to look at God's Word this morning, um, and the ushers will be coming down with Bibles. And um, if you don't have one or you forgot yours, please take it. It is our gift to you. Write your name inside of it. Just raise your hand, and the ushers will give you one. Um, go ahead and read it, and it will impact your life. Today, we're going to look at Lot and Abram. And typically, when this we look at this story, we're looking at God's judgment on Sodom. And we're gonna we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But there's a lot of good stuff before that where we can learn from Abram and Lot about their decision-making processes and how we can apply them in our own lives. So if you will, look at Genesis 13, 8 and 9, and that's on page 8 of the Bibles that we just handed out. The verse said, So Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, before we dig into that, I just want to bring us up to speed on what's happened to this point. Lot is Abram's nephew, and Lot's kind of had a rough life because his, his, um, they don't talk about his mother at all. They do talk about his father, and his father was around for a little bit, but then he died, at which point his grandfather took care of him, But his grandfather died as well. So Abram took care of Lot. Now, Lot was there when God said to Abram, I'm going to make you a blessed nation. I'm going to lead you to this land. Follow me. So Lot was there during that time. And in this story, where we're at, they had both left Ur, went to Canaan, because of a famine, went to Egypt, and then they came back out to Canaan. And that's where we are today Verses 2 and 5 says they were, ri- they were rich, very rich. The families were very wealthy, both Abram and Lot. But we see here in verse 13 that Abram is suggesting that they, they separate, they part. And he gives two reasons. He said, one, the land can't support us. We've become too wealthy. But more importantly, he says, our families are fighting. We've got to do something about that. So Abram is faced with a decision just like we are. I mean, he could have blown it off and said, man, I don't want to approach Lot. That may stir the pot a little bit. I just don't want to get involved in that. But he didn't. He did go forward and talk to Lot about this. We can learn something here from Abram. And that is, and that's our first point here, Abram wanted to be a peacemaker, not a troublemaker. I mean, Abram said, we can't live like this. We're family. Come on, our herdsmen, our our families can't be quarreling. Forget the stuff. Let's let's just do something so we can keep the peace. And so I thought about that. and I said, listen, if I were in Abram's shoes, would I have made the same decision? Because Abram heard from God. God said, hey, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to make you a blessed nation. And here I am standing in front of all the land, and I could pick. And furthermore, if you read the verses, it says that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were there. Those are foreigners. And so they're a threat to this promised land. So not only is the land out there for me to choose, but these foreigners may go get the land before I do. So, me personally, I'm wondering man, I think I would tell Lot, hey, I'm going to pick first, and then you get second dibs on what's left. But notice, he doesn't. He didn't do that at all. And He let Lot choose. And he was living out Romans 12, 18, which says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. He trusted God and put God first. Are there conflicts that are going on in your own life? Is there anything that you can do but haven't done? Let's be like Abram and go ahead and try to resolve those conflicts. Let's see what Lot did next. So Lot had a decision. Let's see what he chose, and let's see his thought process for choosing what he did. So um, chapter 13, verse 10 says, Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. And this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two parted company. And a couple of verses later, it said that he didn't move to Sodom. He moved near Sodom. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But what I find funny here is he, he looked up and he saw and he made his decision. He saw something very pleasing and said, that's what I want. Talk about the kiss principle or keeping it very simple. I mean, I thought, I said, man, why didn't he say, is that stuff really going on in Sodom? You know, he's got his uncle that he could consult. Why wouldn't he do that? But if we were honest with ourselves, I mean, at age five, I didn't go consult anybody. I knew what I wanted, and I went and did it. So it's not that strange that he did this here. And this leads to our next point, and that is selfish decisions usually lead to destruction. Well, unselfish decisions usually lead to life. Let, if we look at Lot in a couple verses in 14, 11 through 12, we can see what happened. Lot was there in Sodom, and some kings from the east came and decided to invade Sodom. And they, the Bible calls out, it says, they took Lot fugitive. And I wonder on that day if he went, man, I should have chose something else. I should have let Abram go first. You know, or maybe I should have talked to him. But if we compare that to what happened to Abram, Abram after he had allowed Lot to take the pick first, um, we see God coming to comfort him. And you know, before he before God did that, I thought, I wonder what Abram felt like after Lot chose. Did he go? Did I just Lord? Did I just lose my chance? I mean, was that where I was supposed to pick the land? Was I was the one that was supposed to do it? And if not, when are you going to bring me that land? I mean, I'm waiting. Come on, when are you going to do it? And God knows us so well, because right when Abram let Lot choose, we see in verse 14, he said, God says, Abram, lift up your eyes from where you are and look north, south, east, west. All the land that you see, I will give it to you and your offspring. He was reassuring Abram of his promise. He was getting divine reassurance. And he was saying, you're doing the right thing. Keep your eyes on me. I'm not going to disappoint you, Abram. Keep doing it. I don't know about you, but I certainly like the outcome of Abram's decision versus what Lot had gone through. But could I have done what, what Abram did? He did it so naturally. He chose peace over conflict. And he put others first. It just doesn't feel like my normal decision-making. How was he so good at it? And that leads to our next principle. Abram lived out seeking wise counsel. And there's a couple parts to this. You know, last week, we heard Donnie say, don't wait until a critical situation to be making your decision. Because at that point, we're going to be thinking... What can Rob do? What can I do to get out of this? I mean, relieve the pressure on me or what's in it for me? That's not the time for us to be making our decision. We need to do that before. And over and over again, we saw that Abram was good at leaning towards God. And what I mean by that, over and over, you'll read in Genesis where he sought God and you'll see him say he marked it with an altar which meant that he had a special encounter with God, and it was important to him. And he he would mark that place with an altar. And we can still do that today. We can still go talk to God in prayer. We can search the scripture to find out what he has to say. And we don't have altars, but we have things like crosses, and we use nails one service around New Year's to nail stuff that we don't want to think about anymore. It's not those things we're worshiping, but it's what they point to, and that's God, that we can use. You can even journal, write a journal. That's a way of creating an altar in our life where we can come back and say, Look, God did this for me, and it's very comforting when we can go back to that. Abram sought sought God first, and I believe that this allowed him to act the way he did, always putting others first. I mean, if we read on, when that invasion happened and Lot was taken fugitive, what did Abram do? He, you know, One of the things he could have done was like, forget him. <laughs> he can figure out how to get out of that himself. But he didn't. In verse 14, it says, When Abram heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He went and rescued his nephew. And I know you might be saying, of course he did. It's family. What else would you be doing? what I challenge us is how many stories have we heard over and over again? And I've seen it personally in my own life when my sister was going through a terminal illness where family members said, I'm not doing anything. That person burned me once before. I did all I could. I'm never going back to help them again. So it's not that far-fetched that we could react differently than Abram did. Let's do what Abram did and approach God because I think When we do that, our heart is changed and we're pointed in the right direction. After you seek him, another way to get wise counsel is to ask other believers. The Bible says in Proverbs 12, 15, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. We would be wise to seek the counsel of others because what they can do for us is help us downplay the upside of the situation and play up to amplify the downsides, the negatives of the situation. I mean, at a minimum, don't you think Lot could have gone to Uncle Abram? I mean, Abram was always, he was a wise man, he was hanging out with God. If I were Lot, I would have said, hey, um, Uncle, I know that you're always talking to the big guy and all, and you just told me to choose here the land. Um, There's a lot of things. I have a couple questions. Before I make this decision, I mean, I've got a couple questions like, what is it like over there? I hear that the foreigners are telling me that this, they put God like last in their lives. And then I hear that um, girls are being raped and, and men are having sex with men. Is that true? I mean, this looks beautiful out there, but I'm not sure I want to go. I mean, I might be a good influence, but can you help me make this decision? And we can do that in our own lives, and we don't do it enough. And I I was trying to wonder why we don't do that. And sometimes I think it's because I'm going to land on this decision or somebody's going to give me the results or the options that I don't want to hear, even though it's best for me. And they can help you identify the downsides or the smoke, I call it. And I was talking to my son, and he said, Dad, there was fire safety week. And one of the things they say is, see smoke don't go. And I said, hey, that would be good for this week, you know. See smoke, don't go. I mean, we can learn from that here. Right before Lot decided to pick that land and to go there, I wish like a fire alarm went off and said, or, or better yet, one of the um, emergency broadcast systems that goes, ee! except this time it would say, this is not a test. Lot, don't do it. I'm telling you you're going to get in a heap of trouble. Don't do it. Don't you know, Lot, that bad company corrupts good character more than good character influences bad company? I mean, we saw that Lot looked and he said, "I want that." He said he moved, the Bible says he moved near. But when he got taken captive, it says that he was in Sodom. I wonder if if he was thinking, you know, "Hey, I'll move close, but even if I get in there, I can be a good influence. I mean, think of the opportunities that I could have there. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong here, I don't want you to walk away saying, you know, stay in your Christian cliques. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I'm saying we need to be careful and we need to live out Romans 12:2, which says we are called not to conform to this world, but to be transformed so that we can test and approve what is God's will or not. And if you notice back at, or forward in 19, we see that Lot is sitting at the city gates when um, the angels come to, to the city. And that means something because scholars say that the gates were where a lot of the city business was done. So, town would be the equivalent of like town officials for us. So, Lot was there doing business within the town. So, what, you know, perhaps. His initial thing was, I'll go there and just kind of be on the sidelines. But what we're seeing is that he is deeply involved in the culture there at Sodom. Which way are you leaning? Are you heading down a path that could be dangerous? Don't cheat to get that better grade. Don't seek comfort in some other spouse. Don't numb pain with food, sex, drugs, and alcohol. It isn't too late. I mean, for us to stop and assess where we're at, and to seek wise counsel of God and others to help us turn around and head that another way. Lot could have done that, but he didn't. And he was in the middle of a very bad situation, a smoky situation. And it was going to get hotter. And that leads to our last point. If you play with fire, don't be surprised if you get burned. I mean, God loves us so much, that he will, if he has to, use pain and suffering to get our attention. But when he does that, you've got to remember 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, and It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. He loves us and he's going to provide a way for you to get out but but Lot stayed where he was. He didn't make that decision to get out. And when Abram heard by God that God was going to judge Sodom and, and torch the place, what was Abram's response? Abram, again, could have said, oh, well, too bad for them. But he didn't. It, it, he says, uh, and, and it repeats itself, he said, Lord, but what if there's 50 people? What are there 50 good people there, and and God says, I won't, uh, I'll take care of those 50. And it goes on, 40, 30, 10, and he says, I'm telling you, I will not destroy them. I will not destroy those righteous people. And I point that out because there we see again what Abram did. He leaned towards God. He went directly to God and started intercessing for his nephew and for the people there. And God meant what he said that he would not destroy it. He sent two angels to evacuate Lot's family, we read in 19. And what we see is there was wickedness going on. I mean, the men of the town wanted to rape the other men in, in Lot's house, but Lot said, uh-uh, I've got my daughters, they're virgins, why don't you rape them instead of the men? And you read that, and as a father, I'm wow, how could he get to that point where he would allow that to happen? Do you find yourself in a lot situation where there's a crisis going on? And if you do, let's stop, drop, and roll. Let's stop. Stop what you're doing and assess what's going on. Peace, conflict, is there anything that you can do? Go talk to others and try to turn that situation around. Drop to your knees. And go to God. If you've never done that before, it doesn't matter. God's there. Just tell Him. Lord, this my life is a mess. I need you. I'm sorry for what's gone on, and I just need you to take control because I just can't do it. And if you know him, he's there. It doesn't matter if you messed up, but come to him. He needs your heart and your willingness to be able to take care of that. And then the last part is roll. Roll away. Get away from the situation. Turn the other way. That's so important. In Genesis 19, we see that Luke, Um, Lot's wife hesitated, and she ended up losing her life. And Jesus recalls that very same thing in Luke 17. So roll away. Get away from the situation, and trust me. Just like my father was there when I burnt my hand that day I had to get carried off to the hospital. Who was there? My dad ran off the stage, picked me up, and took me. And your Father in heaven will be there no matter where you are in your walk, no walk, Start on that journey with him. He will be there for you.